Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the scheme and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Civil War Podcast. I am Jim Dare. With me as always is Max. My favorite Jason Isbell song is Cumberland Gapaport. Got it in the last second there. This, this is amazing. Uh, Jim, Jim told me about 20 seconds before we went on air that he didn't have one in the holster for this week, so he was just going to come up with one on the spot. I'm, I'm pretty impressed by that. Specifically, I said, oh shit, and you thought something was wrong, and I was just like, I didn't think of a pun. I haven't listened to a lot of Jason Isbell lately, though, so that's cool. Um, yeah, we are back. Um, so, as usual, expect some uh, earth-shattering basketball news tomorrow morning. We are recording this on Tuesday evening. Uh, so, yeah, you know, by the time you hear this, the NBA will have been canceled, um, or I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe they start playing with soccer balls. Maybe Markel Fultz gets snapped out of existence by Thanos. Who knows? Maybe Carmelo Anthony will be a sixer. Don't put that evil on us, man. Don't if that happens and it's our fault, I won't be so mad at you. Um fuck. Why did you you just put a damper on the whole podcast, man? Sorry. How how dare you? Um But uh what's the good the good things you get distracted me now. Uh we are now uh we're a, a fourth of the way in uh to the the dreaded twelve game stretch uh that people have been talking about since the schedule came out. Uh, where Sixers essentially spent the first half of the season, or the first, yeah, you know, 35 to 40 games or so, um, playing relatively weak competition with some challengers here and there. You think that's probably fair to say? It feels like they played the Phoenix Suns like 17 times. Yeah, they, they played Phoenix and Charlotte each 12 times. Uh, and then the rest was just two games against Toronto. That was it. Um, but part of this, uh, the, the dreaded 12 game stretch, which we are three games in now, um, just as a refresher, uh, they beat the Indiana Pacers, uh, by 24. They lost a nail biter to the Thunder by two. And it felt so weird. Can I just say quickly about that Thunder game? We'll come back to it. But, um, that was one of the like most exciting and best regular season basketball games I've seen in a long time. And yeah, it was a fucking bummer that they lost. But it was such fun watching that game. I think part of it was that it was 3.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday. It was 12.30 in the afternoon for you. Um, it was just, you know, 
two teams playing really well. There was, you know, Russ going at, Russ getting fouled out, some chippiness. It was like everything you want in a, you know, in a marquee matchup on national TV. Again, it sucks that they lost by two. It was a nail-biter at the end, but what a fucking game, right? Yeah, that was great. Uh, it, it's kind of cool, too. They're they're playing, uh, you know, three three straight games on national TV, which is is fun you know to have like more more people tuning in especially at a time when the team's playing better and just like a little bit more compelling than at times earlier in the year yeah and then they beat the houston rockets by 28 um which was crazy not expected at all um the rest of that 12 game stretch uh that we're coming into now uh is the spurs nuggets lakers warriors kings raptors nuggets again lakers again celtics uh and then the knicks and then we go right into the all-star break um, personally, Max, uh, we can talk about this stretch a little bit. I didn't think they'd be two and one in these three games so far. I thought they'd be one and two. Um, so it's already looking positive. What do you think, first of all, the last three games they played, we'll just start there. What do you think coming into this tough stretch, all this talk about it, you know, these, these 12 straight games against mostly playoff caliber, playoff ready teams. Uh, what do you think of the last three, three showings? I think you have to feel pretty good about it. Um, you know, to, to blow out the Pacers and Rockets and lose a nail biter, you know, by two in, in a game they easily could have won to the Thunder, right. uh, especially coming off the big win against the Wolves. Uh, they they blowed out, blew out by 32. Uh, a tight <laughs> nail biter win matinee against uh, the Knicks. I yeah. just feel like they, they've been playing. They've been, uh, this is the last like, three, four, five games. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best they've played all year, but it is like of the last month and a half, it feels like the most consistent they've looked. Um, mm-hmm. Where the ball movement's been better. Uh, it feels like Butler in the games he played was, you know, a, a better fit. And Bede's just been incredible. Uh, ben Simmons, for the most part, has been, has, has you know, been himself. Um, right. And I, I just think like the rotations made a little bit more sense it feels like things are starting to come together uh more than when you had like Furkan Korkmaz uh right start and Jonah Bolden starting games like three weeks ago yeah and I mind you Bolden did get four blocks in the Rockets game which is very exciting but yeah you look at the Wolves Pacers and Rockets games uh specifically because they they're the three that they wanted the last four um specifically the Wolves game they couldn't miss it was kind of insane how many shots they didn't miss um but they could have missed a bunch more shots and still won that game because they won by 42. Uh, Pacers felt the same way. Rockets felt the same way. Like, they they were shooting the ball really well, but they didn't necessarily have to to win those games. Now, every time you miss a shot, it turns into a, a transition opportunity for their team, most likely. But there's a decent enough cushion there where they could have missed a dozen more shots and probably still won the game, um, which is a great sign. You know, it's, it's we, we spent so much time talking before Butler got here and then after Butler got here about the need for this team to kind of find its uh, its rhythm in something that they've never really been good at doing, um, which is uh, getting, maintaining, holding, and finishing with the lead, right? Or playing a team tight, and then comes the third quarter, and then the other team just pulls away, and then maybe they sneak back in the last second but still lose by a couple. And you're seeing, you know, even going back as far as you know, let's say they split those two with Washington, but they basically just traded big wins back and forth. But the first Wizards game, uh, then they lost two in a row. Uh, and then Knicks, that was a tight one. But Wolves, Pacers, Rockets, and even the Thunder, like, that's a game where you feel like they were just like, typically, 
in years past with less talented players and, and, and a team that didn't necessarily have it all put together, that's a team, that's a game where they probably would have lost that by 15. But it came down to the very last second, a game that they could have and probably should have won because they had the opportunities there. Um, and it's just something that you want, really want to see is, uh, somebody asked me today, our good friend, friend of the pod, Patrick Wall, uh, asked if the, them putting these wins together is the team turning a corner. And I don't even think it's necessarily turning a corner. It's just staying steady on the road they're on. And that, for me right now, is more important. You can turn a corner later on when it comes to playoff time. Save it for them. But right now, just consistency, keeping your foot on the gas, which I know they've talked a lot about, and just steadily playing hard and not letting either leads or deficits get the best of you. Um, and I think that's great. It's a great sign, especially going into the next couple of games. We said a little bit uh, before we started recording, uh, I said this, at least I think you agreed, that the Spurs game, which is uh, tomorrow night, probably tonight by the time you're listening to this, um, is one of those games where it seems like it's a should win, which has always been dangerous, right? Uh, it's one of those games where they should win, they might lose. Uh, two games from that is the Lakers, where LeBron most likely won't be back, right? We looked at that. So that's another game that kind of feels a little bit that way. Kings are probably going to play them real well. Uh, they're doing really well as of late. Uh, and teams like that always, you know, that's what the the middling Sixers used to always do. They used to play better teams up to their level and, like, kind of give them a headache. Um, and, and, you know, looking at Warriors and Lakers with LeBron, most likely two Nuggets games in there. But those three, I think, the Kings, uh, the Spurs, and the LeBronless Lakers are the ones that I have my eye on the most. Because those ones will tell you more about this team, I think, than playing against the Warriors will. Because you're not going to beat the Warriors. Even if you beat them now, you're not going to beat them in, in a in a possible championship thing if you get there so i think those three games are the ones i have my eyes most on yeah i I think honestly the the one i'm probably looking at the most is raptors at home uh on february 5th Mm -hmm. right like they come back from this this four game road trip out west they have three days off uh you get to play the raptors and uh, that's the team really that's like any of these teams in the in the western conference it's like yeah it'd be great to see them beat the nuggets great to see them like play tight against the warriors maybe you got a win there but like seeing them just stay in it with the Raptors and like even if they don't win just like show that they can compete with that team I think to me uh is the biggest thing because I think I think this team has shown that with where the Celtics are right now I think they're on that level uh right now they're above that level but I think they can beat that team in a seven game series uh I think the Bucks yeah as good as they've been I'm I'm confident that the Sixers can like hold their own in there uh the Pacers certainly and then it's like the Raptors just are on a different level right now and I think it'd be really nice to see them uh not shit the bed against the Raptors uh, if if this whole you know however many games left nine games left in this in this stretch go well but they just get their shit kicked in by the Raptors I feel way worse than if they split these games but you gotta win against the Raptors in that game right and it's the last time you're going to see the Raptors until a possible playoff matchup and the last time you played them you you've played them three three times already this year you've only won one of those games and that game was I was there it was they had no Ibaka no Kawhi and no Valanchunas who really gives Embiid fits um so, yeah, that's probably the most important when it comes to playoff outlook, for sure. Um, but there's a, lot to, there's, there's a lot to be learned in these next, now, nine games, right? Um, I think I said, let me, I wish I pulled up the tweet. Earlier in the year when the schedule first came out, I kind of pointed to the stretch of games. A lot of them are on national TV, too. And I think I said I'd be happy with, like, I probably said I'd be happy with seven wins in that stretch, but that's before they made the Butler trade. I'd probably still be happy with seven wins. 
but you expect a bit more uh, because it's uh, it's a better team now. Uh, also worth pointing out that this is uh, the week of the season, Max, where I'm very jealous of where you live. Uh, yeah, it's because, finally coming around. Yeah, it's a son of a bitch for us on the East Coast, man. You got 8 o'clock tomorrow night, 9 against Denver on Saturday, which is totally fine. And then next week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, 10.30, 10 o'clock. It's just a pain in my ass, man. I'm a, I need my rest. I'm a sleepy boy. What am I supposed to do about that? I'm excited because uh, so so right now it's I would say not the worst schedule to be on. Uh, the games out here if it's if it's a six or seven game start at four p.m. during the week, which is like a little early. That's a little bit you know sometimes I'm still at work. That kind of sucks. Uh, Washington State is uh, in the process of trying to. Uh, Stay on daylight savings time year round, uh, sort of similar to Arizona. So if they were to do that, that would push me at least an hour closer in the winter, which would which would be really nice uh, to be two hours off instead of three hours off. So I'm really crossing my fingers that that comes through next year because uh, it is kind of rough the four o'clock, but it but it's awesome when these uh, these West Coast games happen because I can watch them at seven o'clock like a normal person instead of staying up until one. What kind of Pacific Northwest hoodoo voodoo are they doing trying to change their clocks for everybody? It's kind of wild. Such a, yeah, it's kind of wild. I know Arizona is weird like that too, but like just you say like, no, no, that's not what time it is here. We decide what time it is now. Well, back in the day, didn't, they, didn't it used to be like every town had their own time for a long time until they established time zones? That sounds like a plot of the Twilight Zone, man. I'm sure it's true, but... I think I it is. Them. I think it was like not that long ago that that was the case. I might be totally wrong about that. I, I thought like through the 19th century that may have been the case. Uh, and That's I think the trains, bonkers. the trains may have been the the impetus for that. Trying to time things up. Uh, also, at that point in time, before the trains came along, what did you even like? Who gives a shit? Ti- what time is it? I don't know. Day. That's fine. <laughs> it's almost night. It's what's the point? Um. I think we're just we're just biting off of California. Who uh, there was a voter initiative this year on their ballot. Uh, I don't think that's like binding, but I think they're also trying to make the same move, which is just nice. Like it's we're so far north here that uh, the like the winter equinox it gets dark at like three fifty. So oh, moving fun. that to four fifty would be really nice. Even though it'll be dark at like nine thirty in the morning in the winter, but I yeah, know, I think I it. I think I'd probably rather have that trade off definitely. Same. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And and Sixers games would start at five, which would be perfect. That is perfect. Maybe that is that why they're doing it. You think? Yeah, they're they're well, like uh, these East Coast games are starting. Way, the Eastern Conference is is way more compelling than the West now. So, people do you think watch that would games. cause? This is a stupid question because Arizona has a team. Uh, <laughs> that'd be weird if they got a team then, and they're like, "This is what time it is here," and it's like. So like a Trailblazers game and a Sonics, say they call it the Sonics again, game yeah. could start at the exact same time, but at different times. Wild. You guys should never uh... legalize. You guys should never legalize weed. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you that right now. That was a mistake. I, or Oregon, Oregon's gonna follow along with whatever California and Washington do. To be honest. Yeah, they're stuck in the middle. It's just gonna That's be a nice little block, a nice Western block that we'll have of. Uh, yeah. You're just going to get rid of Pacific time zone, I guess, at that point. Because everyone will just be on mountain time. Yeah, I guess you would be, wouldn't you? Well, is Nevada? I don't know. I We're getting into Nova- the time Nevada zone. is probably... Nevada and I think... May, uh, well, Idaho. Maybe this part is the of Montana. Most, I'm not sure. 
This is the most enthralling podcast conversation we've had ever since I was talking about airport codes. All right, let's get back to the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, um, so, be- do we do we have more to talk about with the the twelve game stretch? I feel like we sort of I don't sort of went but through I, that. I did have oh, no. Go ahead. Well, one thing I do want to say is so that that Raptors game I said on the fifth, uh, Tuesday the fifth, I think is also important because it is the last game before the trade deadline. Yes. Uh, that happens on the seventh, which is Thursday at three p.m. Eastern, uh, not Mountain, uh, not Pacific, <laughs> and including or not including daylight saving time because it is the winter. Uh, so, yeah, 3 p.m. On, on Thursday, we're going to see if they make any moves. Uh, probably, if not, uh, it'll be right after that. Uh, hopefully, soon enough that you'd have uh, whoever you, you bring in off the buyout market, which you would imagine will happen right after the, the trade deadline. Probably not for that Friday game against the Nuggets, but hopefully against the Lakers-Celtics Sunday-Tuesday. That would yep. be ideal. That is that is Thursday the February seventh by the way. If, uh, if you're yes. listening to this on a date that is not today or tomorrow, or you stumble upon this on say Thursday February seventh, then we're talking about today. And if it's three o'clock, turn on uh, Woj. Is he on TV? No, probably not on TV. Put him on your on computer TV. screen. Yeah, whatever you want to yeah, do. ESPN's paying him to do something other than just tweet three times. They're a week. paying. Yeah, that's true. I, I got his notifications. I got to turn his notifications off. I don't care about his podcast. I don't care about our podcast. It's pretty obvious. Um, all right. I, then we have questions about people have asked us some questions about trade things, and we can kind of compound that with some stuff that was basically reported, uh, I believe, also by Woj uh, just before we kind of started recording, which is that Memphis is listening to offers, at the very least, listening to offers on uh, Mark Gasol and uh, Mike Conley. Uh, we can kind of compound that with another other trade questions when we get to it, when we have some questions asked. Um, for right now, uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back and do something a little fun. Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phillies podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. Make sure you are subscribed to The Good Fight podcast feed. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of broadstreethockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for theathletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team, the Flyers. All right, so um, before we move on to anything else, I was thinking about this today, and I gave Max a little heads up, so I'm not catching him completely off guard here. But I was thinking about specifically Joel, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and where they kind of rank in the pantheon of Sixers' all-time greats. Um, and you can debate all you want because they barely played in the grand scheme of things, 
But there was one easy way to kind of put them in historical context where I think they both look pretty good. And that is, I posited this question to Max earlier, how many players currently on this Sixers roster are the greatest Sixer ever to wear the jersey number they are currently wearing? Now, let's start in in, uh, numeric order, if you don't mind, Max. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we can go right off the bat with Corey Brewer. Oh, hell yeah. Is he the greatest double zero in Sixers history? Now, the Spencer Hawes is for is context. There double zero. Uh, there are six total, including Corey Brewer. Wow. Uh, is one are, of them like a former mascot? No, I, like I wish it was. Number. Uh, they are uh, Benoit Benjamin, uh, Eric Montross, uh, Amal McCaskill, who I do not remember in the slightest, Spencer Hawes, and then Jacob Pulin. Pullin. Oh, Jacob Pullin. Yeah. Um, I'm going Corey, I know, I never, Corey Brewer. It's obvious the way I did that. I never knew how to pronounce his last name. Because <laughs> no one ever decided to talk about him out loud in any kind no. of context. No, um, not at all. I'm so going Corey you, Brewer. He's, he's going, been here for like three days, but he is the greatest sixer ever to wear double zero. He's better than Spencer Hawes. Better than, clearly better than Spencer Hawes. Sorry, Spencer. All right. All right, that's fair enough. I mean, Corey Brewer has come off of uh, two two hot games. The fact that he started and then just bothered the ever-living hell out of James Harden was incredible. Um, I never thought I'd get so much enjoyment after watching two guys for a good 15 seconds, neither of whom touched the ball, just flopping all over each other. When he pestered Harden on an inbound, Harden flopped on the ground. He established defensive stance over Harden while he was on the ground. Then Harden got up, and then he flopped. I was like, oh, this is prime basketball content. Yep. This is what I'm here for. So you got um, you got that. You got he's an NBA champion. Yeah. Uh, scored 51 points in a game once. He really did yeah. that. There is um, something that I think is uh, cool, and I say cool with a very uncertain tone in my voice, about someone who has no hair and has a beard, first of all, that is cool, period. That's no question there. But the uh, th- that they wear a headband to separate it, so it's like very clear that there's a separation yeah. there. I'm not sure how cool it is, but I'm on board for now. His beard kind of looks like like Wooly Willy. If you ever use one of those as like magnet uh, things that you play oh, with in the car yeah. where you put the beard on. I don't know what those are called. No, okay. Yeah, Wooly yeah, Willy. Willy. It's very right. like, it's very patchy. Like very like... Uh, you can see the individual hairs more than like other beards, other yeah. people who like consistently have a beard. True. Yep. Um, moving on, there is no one currently wearing number zero for the Sixers, although it is a who's who of wow, not a lot of talent there. Uh, but let's move on to uh, Landry Shamit currently wearing number, wearing number one. Uh, you actually have some real competition there. Number one. Uh, I already Shamit. know who my number one is. Well, I'll give you I'll give, I'll give you a couple of options. I'm not going to read everybody off. There's like 15 uh-huh. people. Uh, you got Scott Brooks. You got Tim Thomas. You got Samuel Dallenberry. You got Nick Young. You got Michael Carter Williams, and then a bunch of people who wore them wore it for one year and one year only. Well, I was going to say that uh, my my number one is uh, Pierre uh, Javale McGee, mm-hmm. but who wore it for I believe one game. I think well, one and- game. Statue of Liberty dunked the shit out of it uh, oh, that in, in his single game as a sixer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have to take that back, though, because Samuel Dallenbear was my favorite sixer for, like, six straight seasons. Yep. Uh, when I first really got into the sixers, I would say, like, when I really started following the team religiously, 
uh, in like mid late 2000s uh mm-hmm. samuel d'alembert was like my fucking guy so i'm gonna go with sammy d Slamming i think sammy. i think I think I'm with you there. Obviously, there are other recent examples, such as Glenn Robinson, Little Dog, uh, Ishmith, Tony Roten, partially TJ McConnell and Justin Anderson. But I think, yeah, I think D'Alembert is the one. Also, he worked for eight years, which is mm-hmm. way more than anyone else even close on this list. So there's something for longevity there, too. Uh, the next up is jersey number five, currently Mir Johnson. Uh, just, again, quick example of players who well, only use players that used it for, wore it for more than a year or who are notable in some way. Going way back to the mid seventies, you got uh, Tom Van Arsdale. Uh, you had Kevin Ollie in two thousand, two thousand one. You had Vontigo Cummings in 02. Uh Monty Williams were in 03. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Bradley in 06. Uh, Andres Nocioni, uh, Arnett Moultrie, Ish Smith again. Uh, Kendall Marshall, Alex Poitras, Chase and Randall. Oof, Oof man, I-, I think I might have to go Ish Smith. I'm gonna go Kevin Ollie. Well, but like that's not. When you think of Kevin Ollie, you don't think of number five, though, right? Like, are that's we, true. Is it kind of like a like Kobe situations? Like the eight is one part of the career, and the twenty four is a different part, or like you know, MJ wearing that's yeah, that's a good point because it'll it's it's gonna come up again with a different player. Um, that's not even Kevin Ollie, uh, but it will come up because I, I kind of looked up in advance at these. It will come up again where yeah. okay, so okay, yeah, that's fair. Uh, you're going to Smith, I guess, just by default. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Just screw it. I'm going Andres Nocioni. Who cares? This is a stupid game we're playing, and we're playing it for a very long time. We're going to keep going. Uh, should we do Haywood Highsmith with number seven? <laughs> <laughs> just skip, skip Haywood okay. Highsmith. Okay. Uh, that's number seven is another one where it's just like, oh, wow, not not great talent. Uh, next active jersey number, uh, I'm going to skip Demetrius Jackson as well, just as everyone's Thank cool you. with that. Thank you. Uh, is number 12, currently worn by TJ McConnell. Uh, other... Uh, notable ones from the history uh, going well back. Um, yeah, World Be Free, probably the most notable. Uh, Gerald Henderson Sr. Uh, you had uh, Luke Bahamute, Kevin Ollie, once again, uh, Speedy Claxton, Bruce Bowen, uh, Royal Ivy, Evan Turner, probably most notable. And as much as I want to say uh, Evan Turner, hmm. Um,. I'm going to have to go, I mean... I guess I'll go Kevin Ollie. Yeah, I was going to go there, too, because I couldn't really take him in the last one, because, yeah. There's, again, there's not a ton with that number. Uh, World B is not known for wearing number 12. Uh, he did wear it very briefly, but it's not his most known jersey number, so there's that again. So, yeah, I think I agree with you there. Let's keep it moving along. I did not plan on this game taking this long, and we are barely through the roster. All right, let's, uh, let's maybe skip the uh, the guys we don't care about. Okay. Uh, number I'm, 17. I'm sorry for calling Korkmaz. Yes. Uh, number 17, uh, there's J.J. Redick. Uh, other notables is, include no one. Charles Shackelford, Casper uh, Ware, Jim Tucker from 1956 to 1957, and Togo Palazzi from 1958 to 1960. I'm going to say J.J. Redick. We're, we're raising it to the rafters. Yeah. Um. Quick, quick side note: Number nineteen was worn by two players of all time. Who earned it better, Raja Bell or Furkan Aldemir? Furkan. That's Raja Bell. You're crazy. Okay, uh, let's move past Markel Fultz because he's not going to get the answer for that. Uh, we both know that uh, because the answer is obviously Eric Snow. Um, number twenty-one. Uh, your options are Joel Embiid, uh, the more known World Be Free number, uh, 
You also have Larry Hughes, Matt Harpering, Matt Barnes, Bad. Thaddeus Young. Uh, JoJo. Yeah, clearly. that's Joel Embiid. Um, number 22, uh, you have currently Wilson Chandler. And then you also have... I thought we were skipping guys we didn't care about. No, because I want to point out the fact that from 1979 to 1980, that number was worn by a guy named Eric Money. Wow. Yeah. But the oh, answer man. there is Andrew Tony. Related to Eddie Money? I would hope so. Maybe it's his cousin? Could be. Uh, number 23, currently worn by Jimmy Butler. Notable in the past, Jason Richardson. Uh, Ersan Silva once. Justin Anderson for like a week and a half. Uh, Steve Mix. Uh, Joe Jellybean Bryant, uh, Roy Hinson, Bob Thornton, Ronnie Buford. I think it's got to be Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, if it's if unless you're stays, going with Joe Bryant, if he, if he spends that's like, just a longevity thing. Yeah, he definitely has Hubie White. Also, uh, he definitely has the chance. Wally Jones, in 1966, uh, the chance to really take that number for himself, especially if he stays here long term. So I'm with you there. Also, Lou the Will, most famous 23 of all time, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Uh, number 25, uh, we will, again, not spend a ton of time on because there's not a ton of uh, remarkable people. Chet Walker from 1963 to 1969. Sorry, I was very not born yet. Uh, Dave Wingate. Uh, Jeff Malone from 94 96. Don McLean, not the member of the Eagles. <laughs> uh, Mark Jackson, Rodney Carney. Darius Songalia. Uh, Xavier Silas. Elliot Williams and Ben Simmons. I got to go Chet the Jet. He's a Hall of Famer. I'm going Ben Simmons. Because, right. again, I was super not born yet. Also, his uh, name's Chet the Jet. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one, though. Yeah. Uh, we're going to skip Furkan Korkmaz. I think it's fair. Also, he's yes. not even in the conversation there. Um, Mike Muscala? Sure. Uh, basically, the question comes down to uh, Glenn Robinson for one year in 2004. Uh, Hollis. Hollis or Mike Muscala? Hollis. Yeah, I'm fine with Hollis there. 100% Hollis. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not even you. joking. It's definitely Hollis Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Mark McNamara wore from 83 to 88, by the way. Um, What's our next number here? Jonah Bolton. Uh, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Ruland and Warren Kidd <laughs> were in history before that. Oh, man. No. I... Uh, I'll, I'll go worked, with Jeff Rowan. He worked for five years, so you know you got to yeah. you have to give that to him. You really have to. Um, that's not the final number, is it? Yeah, that's it. Wow, I just looked at uh, Jeff Rowan's basketball reference. Uh, mm-hmm. His two nicknames apparently were Cooney. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. And McFilthy. I'm down with McFilth. McFilth. McFilthy sure. is real, real nice. Yeah. Also, we haven't yeah. had a chance to discuss. Uh, quite yet, either on pod or off. Uh, Corey Brewer's two nicknames on Basketball Reference, which are what are his nicknames? Greyhound and the Drunken Dribbler. The Drunken Dribbler is good. It's really good. Yeah, Greyhound. I'm a fan of that Greyhound, one. Greyhound, just because skinny legs. Yeah, runs I fast. guess so. Yeah, but the Drunken Dribbler, I can get behind that. Big time. All right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That was my thought thing. It worked out. Yeah, I'm a, a good... big fan of uh, I'm a big fan of nicknames that are uh, self-deprecating. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Like Corey Maggette, bad porn. Yeah, a lot of pen- penetration, but nobody's happy at the end oh, of boy. it. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, never Google for Evan Fournier. Yeah. Yeah. Big baby Davis, obviously. 
yeah, that's it. Um, you got anything next? <laughs> it's been a lot of time for <laughs> uh, to think about that, man. I'll be honest with you. It wasn't even uh, good. Yeah, that, that seemed like you put a lot of work into that. Um, Tons of work. I went to the website and all. No, that was, that was good. Uh, yeah. I think we should take a quick break and then come back and take some questions because I think we have a lot of questions. Yeah, absolutely. All right. See you in a minute. All right. And we're back. Um, segment two of this podcast was just so enthralling. I know everyone needed a, br- a breather for a second. Um, but we did get a ton of really good questions. There's a lot of stuff uh, with deadline coming up, different things going on. Uh, so Max, why don't you, uh, why don't we, we kick it off with a question? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll just go right to what everyone's thinking. Uh, Taylor Kratz, uh, whose handle is at most bodacious, uh, asked, one. would you trade Fultz and our 2019 first for Mike Conley? Which I don't even think works financially, but assume you're throwing in like Wilson Chandler and Mike Muscala and whatever else to make it work. Yeah. Any kind of, uh balance for money well so we were gonna get to mike conley at some point no matter what uh so let's just say if to make it work essentially you're gonna have to do a deal that's gonna include multiple players uh this team's huge flaw currently is its depth so anything that you throw out there to get mike conley back you are going to once again cut the team's depth down now ideally you use, you can fill that depth out uh, at buyout time, but how much talent is actually available at buyout time? What could you actually possibly grab, uh, and for what? And then it comes to a point where, like, yeah, you, you know, have a shorter rotations when you get to the playoffs, but all that stuff, right? So now you're going from having a team that essentially has seven reliable players on a an, an average basis, and maybe cutting that down to five or six. Um, so there's that question. There's also the question of Mike Conley's contract. Now, let's not worry about this year because this year's there's no real problems, not hampering you from doing anything currently this year. Uh, next year, uh, he is getting $32.5 million. And then the year after that, he is getting $34.5 million. Mm-hmm. So that's not great. Uh now you can. I'm looking at the Spotrack page. Only twenty two and a half of that thirty four and a half is guaranteed. <laughs> so but, you can save yourself twelve. Yeah. But that guarantee is if he plays X amount of games, it's not up to you to just decide that. It's so, also I I, re- I saw someone tweet this. He needs to play fifty five games this year, and he's played like forty six already. So that's going to happen unless he yeah some, something happens. Because it's fifty five games. You not want to trade for him. Fifty five games in this year or next year. Oh, okay. So he'll yeah. definitely get that. Right. It's not a, it's not, you would pray. Yeah. 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 Um, so I just did the math. Uh, I d- pulled up the ESPN trade machine. You could trade Fultz, Pascala, and Chandler for Conley. Mm-hmm. That bunny works. Um, I think, let me just look just for argument's sake. Uh, you could get back, you could also get Omri Caspi back if you wanted him. Don't you just tease to, me like that, Just to that, give man. you somebody. What was don't that? You tease, don't you tease me like that. Uh, so, I don't know if that's even something I really want to do. Um, I really like Mike Conley. I just feel like you're you're wiping out the money that you have to spend this summer in doing this deal. 
And mm-hmm. I think the benefit, obviously, is that Mike Conley's really good. I think he fits super well with what you need. He fits the identity of the team. You can plug him into point guard and uh, use Ben Simmons more in the role that I think I, ideally you'd want to use him in, which is more the like LeBron to Kyrie kind of role where he is like initiating the break a lot, but you have someone else kind of being the primary point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, and they'll, they'll split the ball handling duties and whatnot. I think it just puts Ben Simmons in a position to succeed more. And also Mike Conley is just really good. Uh, yes. But in doing that, it's like you're giving up faults and you are, you're giving up faults in order to get that a little bit sooner and mm-hmm. get wh- however much better you think Mike Conley is than whoever you would sign this summer uh, with, with your 22 million or whatever. And if you trade faults, 30 million, right. Uh, that you can spend this summer. So, and, and you're losing Chandler and Muscala, who are whatever, but like your depth is really bad after this trade, um, yeah. even if you get Caspi back. So, I would be intrigued by it. I, th- I think for me, giving up Fultz is, uh, it's, it's a trade that I think maybe neither team does. Like the Grizzlies probably can get more young pieces for uh, more young pieces that are definitive uh, back for Conley. Yeah, than just sure. faults, just like a, a lottery scratch off ticket that faults is, mm-hmm. even though he's a potentially really valuable one. Uh, but I also think for the Sixers, it just puts them in a position where now they're locked in. They're going to have to pay Ben Simmons his extension soon, and then they're really locked in. And at right. that point, you're going to have to make a trade. The one thing I would say is if they could, and I, I'm not again, I'm not like on the they need to trade Jimmy Butler train. But if they were thinking about it at all. If you did a three-way in which you got Mike Conley and you gave up Jimmy Butler and you would theoretically get some other things too, some depth, uh, because Mike Conley is on the books for next year and and Jimmy Butler isn't, uh, and the cap hold is pretty similar, it's not really affecting uh, the money you can spend in the summer if you were to just swap Mike Conley and Jimmy Butler uh, on the books this summer, I would consider that just because I think the fit's really good. And if you were getting a little bit more in return also... Also, the fact that you don't have to sign Mike Conley to a five-year, $190 million deal this summer. You can just have him for one more year than this, possibly two more years, and then he's 34, and you can spend the money elsewhere if you want. Yeah. It just gives you more flexibility than locking yourself into Jimmy Butler for five more years. I agree with you there, and I like Mike Conley, um, but I think even more than the Butler trade, when when they made the Butler deal, a lot of people were like, this is a win-now move, which I never really agreed with because... The idea behind the move was you bring him in, and it's a long-term deal. You sign him to that extension. You keep him here. Now with Mike Conley, yeah, he's under, he's on the books for a couple more years, but he's older than Jimmy Butler. He has just as many, if not more, injury concerns, and you'll be paying him sixty-six million dollars over the next two years, and then he's gone. Most, and he'll be mm-hmm. at a point where you're probably going to want him gone anyway, right? He's not at the point where. He might not. I don't think his his legs have it in him at that point, uh, especially not for that kind of money. So yeah, it gives you more flexibility with your cap, and yeah, especially if you're going to throw Butler out in the, in any, some kind of deal, send Butler away and get more back. It really depends on what else you get back. But I think that strikes me more as, as as much more of a win now move, which I don't think is the position this team should be going at like you can be buyers mm-hmm. and not necessarily be gunning for win now because i think gunning for win now is a mistake yeah I, I i could see that um i think i think though like the mike conley thing to me feels like a 
I feel like it's a, in some ways it's a nice long-term move so long as, and I don't know, I, I'm about to say this, but that, as I'm saying it out loud, I, I think it's kind of silly. Like I, I was going to say that so long as you're dropping Jimmy Butler off your books and taking on Mike Conley, it still gives you money to spend in the summer or whatever. But if you think you can bring back Jimmy Butler and you trade the three guys we just said, Chandler, Foltz, and um, and Mescala for, for Conley, right? Like you're now looking at Conley, Butler, Reddick still on the team, or let's say Conley, Reddick, Butler, Simmons, Embiid. Like, is that not a team that is a, a favorite to go to the finals and possibly win the finals this year? They're not the favorite to win it, but the favorite probably to get there at that point, and then you're in it. You're in the finals. Sure, and then you're probably, you know, you're at a point then where you're probably, you're, you know, not even say the word stuck, but say the worst thing happens and you're stuck paying uh, uh, Conley that $34 million in two years. But, you know, that's one year. That's kind of a crucial time for you with the, your cap. But you can you can bite the bullet and go, like, into the tax for a year and just kind of deal with it. Um, the question for me becomes, like, it's not, you know, it's not fit, it's not this, it's not that, but... I would think that, like I was saying before, like if you're gonna, I wouldn't put Butler out to bring Conley in, and like there's a lot to be said about like what else you could possibly bring in in a deal like that, but I just wouldn't do it. Um, and yeah, again, you, like you just named a pretty remarkably good starting five, but who else is there, right? That's that's true. When when one of those guys gets tired, and now. Let me point out to you that outside of J.J. Redick, who does miss games here and there for soreness and tightness just because you're getting older, that's four guys who have missed significant time in their past. So, I don't, I, you know, I'm not sitting around saying I'm, I'm worried about Ben Simmons having a re-aggravation of any injury because that's not even in my mind at all, but that's four guys who don't have necessarily the cleanest past and then no one to really come in and back them up. You're basically then building the scraps of a bench out of a buyout market that may or may not exist there. That's you know? true. Although you still have, so you go into the summer, I'm just thinking ahead past this season, you go into the summer, you bring back Butler. Uh, you have still like TJ McConnell, JJ Redick on uh bird rights. Like you can go over the cap to bring them back. And then you still have whatever by bi- biannual exception or room exception. Like you can piece something together at that point. Like it's you're not gonna have a great bench, right? right. Like if you if your starting five is uh, Conley, Reddick, Butler, Simmons, and Bead, just having like Shamit, TJ, someone like Corey Brewer, uh, Bolden, Sire Smith, you know, just like a, whoever and like whoever will sign a, a one year minimum deal, like. Yeah. It's not. I don't know. I'm like talking myself into it as I, as I as I hear that starting five. I'm like, man, that is also defensively that is awesome. Yeah, and I think it's worth pointing out too that I think we've talked about this before when people have asked about different players. Um, that the idea of this is why I think I'm I'm better with that than by shipping out Butler and trying to get like some kind of other kind of package or three way three team deal kind of thing back. Where the idea that like this off season be this big money thing because like. I think I've laid out before, like, I don't think Clay is going anywhere. I don't think KD's coming here. So I don't know. You might have a ton of money, but unless you use it to bolster rotational guys, you're not going to get, like, a giant star to pay to come here. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, mm-hmm. So, and that's what that's kind of what you did when you traded for Butler, the idea being that you would pay him that star money. Instead of trying to find that guy in a free agency, you got him here. Now you just got to keep him here, 
right? So I'm fine with it. I think a much more than if Butler's if, if Butler is staying and then you could, you're able to lock him down for the long term. Also, just wanted to say, um, it is uh, eight days shy of the two year anniversary. Uh, of me tweeting, without Embiid, use tonight's game to decide how much money you would give Omri Caspi this offseason. Yeah. I've been on the Caspi. If your answer was $1.5 million, which is what he's making currently, yeah, that is the correct answer. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm much more interested, and I don't think this question came up in in uh, on Twitter, so I'm just I, I'll, we'll just like transition to this. I am much more interested, and I know we talked about the Clippers to death uh, last time in terms of like trade targets, just because they have a lot of expiring one year guys who are bench players. But I'm much more interested in like adding a little bit of sweetener to Wilson Chandler to turn him into a couple bench players. You know, like if you could take. Wilson Chandler, I'm just look, I'm just looking at the Clippers right now, and turn him, and trade him uh, with some sort of pick or, you know, I don't know. I don't want to trade Zaire or Shamit, but like picks and Bolden, I don't know, uh, and turn that into like Pat Beverly, who's expiring this year, and Boban or something. Like, sure, like that sounds great. Or but Pat Beverly and. Whoever I'm just looking right now. You're like, really you're not you're trying Luke to you're trying to bamboozle me by positing what? these these hypothetical trade scenarios and trying to get my like rational non emotional response and including Omri Caspi and Boban. What do you expect <laughs> me to say? But yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm I think just a looking lot of at the would. teams that are, just looking at the teams that are that are on the outside looking in the yeah. playoffs, but have some I, players. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people. I think everybody. I don't want to sit around and say everybody, but like most people would like a Pat Beverly on this team, and most people probably don't give a shit about Wilson Chandler. So yeah, I don't think you get much pushback on that one, honestly. Yeah, I'm just looking around. Like, you know, is there anyone who comes to mind for you that that you have interest in, like, or the type of player I guess that you're that you're interested in? If if you if you were going to swap, say Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, one of those expiring guys who play but you could improve. Right, and not giving up Fultz or not giving up the Miami pick. Like, what what, what are you looking for? What kind of player? Well, it's hard to know with, because we're just right now on the cusp of hearing that, like, this player is available, right? People are like, oh, they're listening to calls on this, they're hearing this, and we're just on that cusp now. It's basically kicking off with this, and with it's been rumbling for a little bit about uh, a person who I would be interested in in the buyout market should it come to that, which is Ennis Cantor. Um, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's the kind of player I'm looking for, right? Uh, I'm looking for a reliable backup five that is not, you know, a Mike Muscala, you know, corner three shooting, who actually has a bigger body, still maybe not to be the most skilled defensively, but gives you a little bit more offense down low in the typical center position um, and some real rebounding, which, I mean... Just look at all the games Ennis Cantor has played against the Sixers to see how good of a rebounder he can be. Hmm. Um, and I think that's that's a skill, and that's a player you should look at in the buyout market. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, there's currently a bunch of drama going on there about uh, he's basically being... I think he's been informed that he's like now been bumped back in the rotation. He loves New York, but he just wants to play basketball. Um, so who knows? I don't know if you wanted to trade for him. I don't know what it would cost you because I don't know what the interest is around the league. But that's the kind of guy I'm looking backup five, wing defenders, and bench shooters. That's the key. 
I think. Yeah. Um, like and like you know oh, maybe, go ahead. maybe maybe they throw another ten day and then maybe send the rest of the season to to Brewer and maybe he helps you a bit with the def- defense and just being that energy guy and that pest and he can help you there. But you're gonna find in the long run, most likely, if he gets stays for a year, he doesn't give you a ton outside of that. Most likely, you know, he could surprise me. He's surprised me so far. Um, but yeah, I think you're looking in the buyout market or the trade market. I don't think you need to make this, this giant splash. Uh, you just need to plug the holes that already exist. And that's uh, backup big is a huge one. Reliable backup big is, is the key word there. Totally. And I'm, I'm hoping that can come off the buyout market. Uh, I mean, we've there, also, there are a handful of guys who seem to be, you know, uh, seem to be on the precipice of, of uh, getting bought out and could, you know, just a body, right? Like right. Robin Lopez or, you know, yeah. someone who's underperforming. I would love Ennis Cantor. Yeah, Cantor would be great. Um, I'm looking right now, a guy who really stands out is uh Nikola Miritich uh with the Pelicans who's having a great year this year he's on an expiring 12 and a half million dollar deal if you could trade Wilson Chandler who makes about the same money on a one-year expiring and whatever sweetener you have to I think that would be a really like someone like that would be really nice and that's a team that's probably going to miss the playoffs uh kind of you kind of like just see where they where they pan out over the next week and a half, two weeks before the mm-hmm. deadline. But right now they're 22 and 25. Uh, and to make the playoffs, they need to jump Utah, who's 26 and 22. So they're uh, a good four and a half games back. So like that, that's the kind of team that or three and a half, no, four and a half games back, three and a half, three and a half games back. Uh, you know, if that, if they fall behind and, and the, the disparity kind of widens, I think that's a team or, uh, you know, Dallas, maybe. Who'd be willing to trade a you know Wesley Matthews or something? Tra- trade a player of value. Yeah. What do you think about like uh, Kent Bazemore? I love Kent Bazemore. What would you? Yeah, what Kent would ba- Kent Bazemore? What would, would be, be like your? What would you be your your ideal uh, deal there? I'm looking because he's he's, he's, re- at, uh... he's reportedly available. The problem is, is it a t- is it a team option next year or is is he just on the books for like 19 million next year? Double check here. I just pulled up. I'm, I'm on Trade Machine, so I'm, I'm only seeing their current salary, but I can see that he has two years left. Yeah. Uh, Kent Bazemore is like the perfect type of player. It's like a player he's what they're missing year. with. Yeah, player option. So mm-hmm. he'll he'll take that. He'll take yeah. that 19 million. Uh, I'm less interested in taking on someone. I, I'd be more interested in like Jeremy Lin from that team because he's on a one year expiring for like 14 yeah, million. I, I agree. Um, Dwayne Dedman's making seven. Like uh, both those. I mean, if Dwayne Dedman was waived or if Jeremy Lin were waived that those are like my top two buyout candidates unless someone mm-hmm. unexpected shows up but um but yeah if they could I would like trade for Deadman on that team of, of anyone I would be willing to give up some value Kent Bazemore to me it's just I, I don't want I, I really don't want to put any money on the books next year unless it's for someone like uh Conley right like someone who is uh, at the caliber of player that you would try to sign in free agency next summer yep. with the money you have. Uh, I will say that I am perfectly happy bringing Jeremy Lin in because Jeremy Lin and I have the same exact birthday. Wow. Same day and year. So yeah, that's what I got for that. Uh, I believe I'm, I believe the only players, I don't think it's the same year though. I'm uh Nerland's Noel. Mm-hmm. She has a birthday with me. And, uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, uh, Royce White. Oh, okay. Has a birthday with me. 
All right. Is it Royce White or is it it's either Royce White or it's Arsenal and Kazemi? I think it's Royce White, though. I mean, pretty sure it's Royce White. One of them is two days off from that, but I think Arsenal and Kazemi is two days off from me. Gotcha. I would remember if Arsenal and Kazemi had the same birthday as me. Yeah, I think you would. Okay, so moving on to more questions. Um, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew asked... Uh, Can I just say, if you could, these are yeah. killer names across the board. Great. Really well done, everybody. Um, his his uh, at is at Bighead underscore Ted. Uh, Again, if you could, great across the board. If you could retroactively take away a championship from a team, in turn giving the championship to the loser, which team and year would you choose it from? Would you take it from any sport? Okay, so I'm gonna do. I actually saw this earlier, and I thought about it for a quick second. And I think the obvious one that you would jump to, considering the subject of this podcast, is the 2001 Sixers. Mm-hmm. However, that's not what I'm doing. I am giving the trophy to the rightful winners of the 2009 World Series, the Philadelphia Phillies. To give them two back-to-back, to give them ones when they played a better regular season, they had a more talented team, and also lost to the fucking Yankees of all teams. Uh, I could undo that and be very happy. Also, within my, within my lifetime of like recognizing it and remembering it and being able to like really celebrate it as like kind of an adult person. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to do the 09 world series. Um, hmm. I think I'm going to take it away from the Patriots, but not in 2004, not, not the, uh, or Oh five, I guess February of Oh five. I'm not going to take it away in the year they played the Eagles. I'm going to take it away in Tom Brady's first Super Bowl against the Rams uh the 2001 season mm-hmm. because i think if they lose that super bowl i think it it changes the narrative on tom brady and possibly changes that whole dynasty or affects the way that looks moving forward and i'm uh i'm sick of it i'm si- i'm sick of tom brady yeah i'm yeah i'm with you there and Speaking there's a of- ripple effect right like who knows what happens in 2004 if yeah the patriots aren't defending super or not defending but aren't Coming off of a 2002 Super Bowl and creating this this dynasty that is fucking still going 18 years yeah. later. Um, I, I you know what I'll say I'll, I'll do this too. If I'm doing one football one, um, I'm going back to Titans Rams. Mm. I'm giving an extra you know half a yard in that outstretched arm, and then I'm having them convert the two point to win them. Not even going overtime, just win it right there. Because if that happens, because not only is that a you know a nice story and the Titans win one there and stuff like that, but like that outstretched arm probably goes down as like the greatest final play in any NFL game ever, right? I mean, you still have to convert the extra, but that moment there—it's already people already still remember it, and he, they just they remember because it, it was just short. It just give it half a yard there, and uh, that'd be a good one. That's just for, yeah, that's, but that's more for just like a good story for the for the sport than. You know, I would still if I can only do one, I would do the 2009 World Series. I, I like the uh, the one person who replied to uh, Doctor Bunsen Honeydew who said 1996 Toon Squad. Yeah, it just Monstar is just a, re- a real like uh, anti climax of the movie. Like the, the anti heroes uh, win the game. The no. uh, the the Monstars and enslave Michael Jordan on their uh, what was it called Moron Mountain? 
Yeah, something like that. It'd be a real a real dark ending to <laughs> to uh, Space Jam. Yeah, it would be. Although then we wouldn't uh, might not have R. Kelly, which would maybe be a, a positive thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Or I guess that's that's they still play that song in the beginning of the movie, not not after they win it. Can I? Uh, I'm just gonna say that's not that movie's incredibly overrated. Oh yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's real bad. Can I? Can you say that guy's uh, Twitter name again? Uh, Doctor Bunsen Honeydew. So good. All right, we can move on to the next question now. Okay. Uh, Okay, Vitor Mello asked, uh, choose one player in the league not on a rookie contract and who's never played in an All-Star game who you would like to join the Sixers. Who is that player? And this is a second part of the question, but would you trade Jimmy Butler or Marco Fultz plus Zaire plus picks for this player if possible? So basically, let's figure out, like, who is this guy who has not made the All-Star game and is not a rookie uh, who is good enough that we would... Well, I just the best player of, of all those guys who fit into that category, um, who would be first time All Stars, and who we might trade a lot for. I'm trying uh, to think who that might be. Well, the first possibility is Mike Conley. <laughs> uh, he fits. Has he, that. He's never. He's still never been an All Star. Never been an All Star. I don't think so. Um, yeah. So that's a possibility. That's crazy. I'm trying to think who. Oh, you know who is, uh, wait, is he, ah, he's in the last year of his rookie deal. I was going to say Jokic. I was going to say Porzingis, but it's the same deal. And also he was a reserve. Okay. Yeah. Jokic is yet to make it, although certainly this year will make it, uh, and, uh, is in the last year of his rookie deal. I would have counted him had he been in his fifth year, but he does not count. But yes, I would, in that scenario, I would trade all those things for Jokic. I would trade Butler, Fultz, our 2019 pick whatever else he said Zaire Smith yeah um give me one second here I have a thought yes Jim are you still thinking uh CJ McCollum was never an all-star hmm that's an interesting one um Mm -hmm. I don't know if I trade I guess I trade Jimmy Butler for CJ McCollum. Yeah. Well, that was uh, he's not as good as he's not as. Yeah, you're you're just thinking of who the best is. Yeah, I was um, thinking about just who like who the player would be, and then was going to revisit the part of what I would give them give up. Okay, now, what was what was enough. it was Butler or it was what Fultz pick and Chandler? Fultz, it was it was like Fultz picks and Zaire, basically like all your young pieces or Butler. Uh. I don't know. I might do that. If we're yeah, talking, I'm like, looking right now. I'm trying to see if we're missing anyone, uh, missing any obvious ones. I don't think we really are. Like, uh, oh, oh, you know who hasn't been an all star as far as I can tell is Rudy Gobert. Oh yeah, but then amazingly, but then did you is he gonna you gonna do a twin tower singer? Is he your backup five? <laughs> He's back up five. He's yeah. gonna play uh, twelve minutes a game at center. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I think you could you could make that work. He's good enough. You, you yeah. put Embiid on the perimeter a little bit more. Uh, yeah. He's he's got to be the best of them. I I don't think I make that trade though. I don't think I like trade a bunch of stuff for a guy who is plays the same position as your best player. Right. Um, I don't know who else would be better than that. I, I thought yours was good, uh, McCollum. But yeah, I think McCollum. Um, I think for, you know without 
pouring over every roster in a league is probably my, my go-to answer for that one. Yeah, and I would definitely about, be into um, into putting a deal together. I don't know what it would cost, but I would be I would be very into putting that together. What about Tobias Harris? I do love me some Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris might might be the best answer if you're thinking about like fit and uh, the fact that he hasn't been an All Star and age and stuff. He's 26, putting up 21, eight and two and a half. Right, you think forty five percent from three? Do you think he'll be an all star this year, though? So is that going to disqualify him in like two weeks? Uh, I don't think it disqualifies him if he's not hasn't been an all star yet. Yeah, because because okay. Gobert is probably going to be an all star, and uh, McCollum probably won't be, but could be. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's also a great answer. I love Tobias Harris. It's a, it's a good question. I, I like that question because I think if you don't if you don't include the rookie part, it's it's an easy question. It's like okay, I want Doncic or I want yeah right yeah. Uh, you know, Jokic or whoever. Right, exactly. One of the itches. Yep. Um, Milos Teodosic is. Nikola Vucevic, I would take back. Yeah. Uh, maybe first time also this year, possibly. Perhaps. Cody Glazer asked, uh, who's the first opposing player who's going to snap and go over the top at JoJo's trolling and trash talking? And is it Draymond? Uh, no, it's not Draymond. Um. I think it's already happened. I think like, like Russ is definitely. Sna- I would say Russ has snapped a little bit, but like Russ and has some more minor for players. A normal person, he hasn't snapped for Russ. That's true. So I think that you know it's, it's within context of the player. He hasn't snapped for Russ. I think the more likely situation is someone like a, uh, like a Willie Reed, right? Where it's like, oh, so you think it's just some some other big? Yeah, some other dude who's like maybe is not like. You know the most remarkable player on that team, but just he just, you know, he catches a, a hook move or a, a, a elbow in the sternum, and he just takes strong offense to it. I think that's the more likely yeah. thing than like a star for somebody. Like that's maybe true. If I'm thinking, maybe he like oh, really pisses off like Juancho Hernan Gomez, and like shit goes down. Yeah, if I'm thinking stars, I'm probably thinking like uh, it's going to be a playoff game against. You know, one of those good teams in the East, like maybe like Eric Bledsoe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. Other than that type of situation, like I, I don't know. Um, I'm just looking at other other good playoff teams. I don't really see anyone on Toronto. I could see Zubac maybe getting, like, pissed off. Yeah, yeah. There aren't a lot of like when when I think about that, it's like obviously Russ comes to mind. Uh, Harden never really gets that upset. Um, not with other players, like big stars, right? Like Draymond, Draymond does, Boogie does, but Boogie's different. I think Draymond, Draymond and, and Russ seem like uh, malicious with it. Yeah. Boogie just gets like distraught by bad calls. What he sees as bad calls, I don't yeah. think he gets like furious with other players that often. Like Russ, Russ got up from that like he like basically traveled, but he like tripped tripped over himself on the fast break and then Embiid just ran into him from behind and Russ like got up like he was gonna like you know bull rush Embiid like yeah. I, that to me is like if anyone else did that we'd be saying that he snapped because it was Russ and he does that like every fucking game it right. didn't really feel like anything also look I'm sure I'm sure that it hurt very much Joel Embiid like was in the air and full speed like pushed you to, so he wouldn't land on you but when Russ was like laying on the ground feeling that pain he was I'm sure it hurt and he was like mad whatever but he spent half the time laying on the ground going like, all right, how am I playing this? What's my move? Because yeah. for a hurt guy, he certainly got up real fast. 
and went very fast at the guy. So I think he was thinking about it for a second. And the fact that he was even thinking about it and even had any thought process at all shows you that Russ is not truly snapped. When you snap, you just go. And he, I think he considered his options at first. So I wouldn't call that a full snapping. So I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be like a star player, though. Because they, they, most star players, unless you really, really, really get them going, know better because they're not going to get ejected for it. So. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. I think we know the answer to this, but uh, Lil Lil Purell, uh, like uh, like Lil Zan, Lil Lil Purell, like the uh, disinfectant, asked mm. uh, if it ever came down to keeping either one of Embiid or Simmons, who would you pick? And I think the answer is Joel Embiid, and that's yeah. an easy answer. Mm-hmm. Although I think I think um, I think we're one like. I don't even want to say like serious Embiid injury, but we're one like new Embiid injury away from that being a real question. Like if Embiid missed some time with like some sort of knee, you know, meniscus issue or something like, I think that we're not, we're not like not that much would have to happen for that to be a real question. But I will say this. I think if Simmons is close, if barring injury, it comes down to the point where you are deciding that as a Sixers, you are picking one or the other. You've done something wrong to cause this. There's no reason for you mm-hmm. from from this outlook right now. There's absolutely no reason for you to be in that position. So I know it's like a fun Int- until at least like 2024. Like yeah. if it, if it's a if it's a Russ KD situation in year nine of that tandem, like so be it. That would right. suck, but so be it. It cannot happen before their second before Embiid's second contract or before no. like both of them are in their mid late twenties. Right. Yeah. Um, Jens Evenhus, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. E-V-E-N-H-U-I-S. And I'm just imagining that Hus is pronounced that way because his first name is Jens. Uh, if you could, would you reverse the Jimmy Butler trade? No. I wouldn't either. No. No, I don't think I would. I I think a lot of that's just because Dario's been pretty underwhelming this season. Like, his regressed. And uh, I don't know. We we've talked about this before, but like, I think I think Jimmy Butler gives you most of the things Covington do, does plus more. Yeah. And yes, Covington's on a better deal and is younger, but a little bit younger. But I think I think the trade off's worth it. And I think Dario's underperforming enough to the point where I'm not. That's not really killing me that they don't have Dario right now. I think the main, even though it hurts my heart, that like the real main reason why you'd want to undo it is if you could put that same package together with maybe one extra thing and get more or something else or somebody else. Right. It's not to swap like out Bradley Beal or something. Right. It's not to swap out Jimmy Butler for Dario and Covington and Bayless and go, we're better now. Like this is better for us. It's to do it uh, and to get those assets back in order to move them for some other thing, which basically I don't think has really is- presented itself as, as an option. No, basically what you're saying is if you could add like one thing of value to Jimmy Butler to improve what Jimmy Butler is, either in terms of the quality of that player, like Anthony Davis, like if you could somehow put some package together and add things to that to get Anthony Davis, or if you could turn, um, turn him into 
a Lillard or a Beal or someone who's just younger and fits better, yeah, but who is also a superstar. Like that would be better, right? And but I, yeah, I, I don't, agree I don't, with you. I'd be willing to throw some extra stuff at that to make that happen. Yeah, but, but that's less don't... about undoing the trade so much as just like you would trade Jimmy Butler for something better. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think those those moves were there to be made. No, I don't think so either. Okay, so Paul Roman asked uh, if the Sixers won a championship with Jimmy Butler, is it earned or is it bought? Obviously, Hinky's moves moves let the Sixers acquire Butler, but maybe it doesn't feel the same without Rocco and the homie and all those guys. Uh, well, I'll say I'll I'll put posit two things here. Well, first being that obviously I think my answer to this uh, was laid out earlier when I said I would have given the Phillies the 2009 World Series championship, and you could probably argue that that would have been a bought championship. Um, but at this point, now that it's happened, your options are what you would call a bot championship or no championship. And really the only people who complain about uh, teams buying championships or, or something like that are fans of the teams who didn't win them. Right. Losers say that. Yeah. Like it, when you have the, when you're the champion, uh, it doesn't matter how you got it. You got it. Right. You play the team in front of you. You build the team. Um, it's incredibly rare. And again, the Warriors have kind of soiled and spoiled people's brains because they're just so absurdly talented. And they basically did it as a homegrown team and then brought Durant in and then everyone freaked out. But go back through history and, you know, you look at any team that won championships and it's a combination of things. That's how you build winning teams. It's through the draft and through free agency and through trades. If they only, like clear and clean way to win championships was solely through the draft or solely through the draft plus free agency, you'd have a lot of really bad basketball teams, right? There's, there's buying things is the idea, right? You have players on the court to pay them to win games and that's why they're there. Also, as I get older, um, sports owners should be spending every possible cent to improve the team at every possible turn. So I'm not going to lose sleep over Josh Harris spending a couple more bucks to get a title. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Also, I, I would say this is not buying a championship. I, I would say the free agency route is more buying a championship, if you even want to believe that's a thing that exists, than trading assets that you acquired through a rebuild for an asset, for, for a player, right. a win-now player. Um, not to mention the two best players in the team are players they drafted in the last four years. Right. So, or five years. So I, I, I don't think... Now, I think if they if they had, you know, brought in LeBron last summer and won a championship off of that, I still don't really think that's bought because, you know, it's not bought in the way that, like, the 2012 Heat were bought in, in that you just cleared your books and signed Wade and, or signed Bosch and LeBron and then just brought in a bunch of minimum guys and set it up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I really discount that either. Like, that's... that's fine and the warriors that they win i mean it's fine it's that's a little bit more bought just because you're going out and you're getting the best free agent in the world but like i think the question is did the process do this or not is is really what we're asking and yeah the process is what got you here you wouldn't have been able to trade for jimmy butler five years ago with what you had uh or if they'd gone a different path the last five years and you could fast forward through that, like where they would be right now would probably be closer to where they were in the late 2000s 
or even when they, you know, in 2012 when their team was like, or 2011 when their team was decent, uh, but not the type of team that like Jimmy Butler wants to go play for. Right. Uh, not the type of team that has the assets to trade for Jimmy Butler. So, you know, it's it's just, it's, they set themselves up to be able to do a lot of different things and the team's still built around two players they drafted. So I, I, I kind of dismiss the idea that it's bought. Um, even if they had gotten LeBron, I think it wouldn't really be bought because the only reason you got LeBron is because you rebuilt and drafted two players good enough, which I guess is an argument for the Warriors not being bought either. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of agree with that. I also think, you know, I don't follow baseball very closely, but in a league that doesn't have a cap, doesn't have a hard cap uh, or even a soft cap, the idea of buying, quote unquote, a championship seems more valid uh, than or, or in, you know, uh, soccer in some of the leagues that don't have a cap. Right. Like that seems more valid to me than in a league where everyone's working under the same basic constraints. Um, so that you can't just throw money at the problem, right? You can pay the tax, but you can't, you can't just, you know, pay LeBron James $80 million a year because your owner makes the most money, right? right? Like that doesn't work like that. Um, I want to say, I want to make two quick right. points to that real quick. Oh, though. go ahead. Uh, I think the idea between something you bought to it, it kind of, it comes up weird because say, say they went and won a championship last year, right? And say for a good chunk of that playoffs, the most important player on the team was J.J. Redick. Is that then a bought championship? Yeah, technically it's bought, right? Because the guy that you paid money and brought in outside of the whole process is the guy who got you the title. Also, something that you mentioned saying, you know, asking the question like, well, did the process get us here, right? That's the That was the point of the whole thing, right? To put you in a position to win a championship or to be in a position where that seems attainable. You're on that level, right? I don't, but I don't think that's the important question because, yes, we all want to believe after rooting for this for years, even when it was bad, that if if a title does come along, you can trace its lineage directly back to that and say that is what brought us here, and therefore my fandom was valid. But how you get it is not important. Getting it is important, and I think the idea of like I only want to win a title if I can say that the process brought it along is not, I I don't, I don't, I don't do, I don't think that way. I don't do that. And like, yeah, yeah, ideally, because I was emotionally attached to these players, I would have loved to, if I can picture a parade float in my head, I'd want Dario and Covington on it. But I mostly just want them to win a championship. That's the goal of the whole thing. Whether you can say that the process brought it or not, whether people give, Sam Hinkie or Brian Colangelo or Elton Brand the credit or not. The the idea is that you win it. Because here's the thing, too. You, people forget this. Who's the first person they hand the trophy to when you win the championship? They give it to the owner. So really, it's his. We're just along for the ride. And that's the hard truth of it, right? So you can say that you want to win it a certain way or win it, whatever. No matter what, it's going into the billionaire's hands. So the goal is just to get it. Yeah, it's like a weird uh, socialist turn. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, here. you know, you, you pull, you no one's pulling for the owners, right? You're pulling for the players. You're pulling for the GM you liked. You're doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's going in the guy's hands that you don't give a second thought to when you're watching the team, really. So I don't think you should try to, you know, for your, you know, root for what you want to root for. But I think trying to put all these caveats and stuff on a, on a potential championship, which is far from guaranteed in any way. Um, 
is is I don't know. This is not the way I like to do it. You can do it however you want. I'm not gonna police your fandom, but that's not the way I like to think about it. All right, last question. Uh, Kevin Mahoney asked, "Should the Sixers go full bad boy as Jimmy McCormick suggests, uh, and if so, who needs to be removed from the team and who would replace them if the Sixers went full bad boy Pistons?" Why? You can't take anyone off who has actual talent. No. Because whoever you replace JJ's them not a bad boy, but I but you need JJ, so JJ's got to stay. JJ talks a bunch. He's a bad boy in his own way. He says he there's a lot that he says on the floor. Um, I don't know. Probably got to take Mike Muscala off, which I'm fine with. Yeah. And then who do you replace him with? Like Kendrick Perkins? Like, come on. Yeah, who are the guys on the in free agency right now, or just not playing basketball? Yeah, who can uh, who can get picked up mm-hmm. to make our bad boy team? Also, like, there's a reason that can we can we bring Tony Roden back? Is Tony Roden bad boy enough? Does bad boy include turnovers? I don't know. Um, there's a reason that that was of its era, right? Because like, have guys come in and start roughing people. It's like, all right, now I got a bunch of technicals, and you've lost by three, all made by technical free throws. Like it's it's a it's a concept that is fun to think about, and I think that's what got everybody excited about. You know, Corey Brewer's playing tough right now. People saw like Justin Anderson getting Dwayne Wade's face twice in the playoffs, and we're like, oh hell yeah! But like, you what you really need is people who play basketball very well, and right now the team has a shortage of that as it is. So I don't know. Is there like a bodybuilder who can dunk? Oh, can we? I'm looking right now. Bodybuilder can dunk. Can we get Thor Bjornsson right on now. This you team? got you have Tony Allen hanging out there in free agency sure yeah sure you got uh tark black maybe could be a bad boy trevor booker could come back and be a bad boy yeah sure um yeah not a lot of bad boys out there um unfortunately because a lot of the bad boys don't last very long in the league because they're not great at basketball no no you got uh you still got Matt Barnes. Is Matt Barnes like trying to play basketball right now? I don't know. I feel like he's like a. Is he doing big three? I feel like he's. A I feel like three. probably he's doing big big three. Yeah. That's where that's where they all are. That's where all the the bad boys types are. They're all currently in the big three. Like I almost I saw like Othello Harrington almost getting the fist fight last year in the big three. So like that's where they're all hanging out. Are the Harrison twins bad boys? You got both of them out there. It's a two for one. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's like I, they have like I don't know if they're any good. They barely played NBA basketball. Yeah, this is not not a good time for bad boys in the league. No, and you know what? I'll be straight or up with you. Agency. The more you say bad boys, the weirder it sounds. Because you said it a lot. Yeah. Try saying it if you're listening to this in a car, on a train, at work, just without any warning. Just say bad boys. To yourself out loud like four or five times in a row. One, see what kind of reaction you get. And two, you'll see it starts to sound kind of weird. You know? Bad boys. It just it feels weird to me now. That's all I got on Malcolm that. Malcolm Thomas is a bad <laughs> Malcolm Thomas is a bad boy. He's probably playing in, in Lithuania. It does sound <laughs> it really sounds bad when re- you keep saying it. It's it, it sounds really yeah, it's not great. Gotta, uh, like, especially when you said it you guys said it so excited about it and just the way it came out. It sounds like yeah, a mecca, a mecca, a mecca Okafor is a BB. He's a bad he's boy. A BB. 
It's the you thing, just, like, now we're, like, double B. you've said it so much that, like, it just sounds like sounds to me. It doesn't even sound like words, you know? It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Willie Reed earlier as a guy who get into a fight with, with uh, JoJo. He is a free agent. Well, there's a reason for that. Uh, there is someone named Smooth. Uh, wait, Scoochie Smith is a free agent. I'm just looking at the real GM uh, <laughs> list of free agents right now. Is there an age cutoff for that, or is it just like anybody? I think it's just anyone. Damon Wilkins is on there, so clearly no age <laughs> cutoff. Is Charles Barkley just on like the anyone list? who's like? Yeah, it's like anyone who like theoretically is okay. Here's like this. This will tell us what we how we uh, view bad boys. Is Nick Young a bad boy? I just I just really want you to stop saying it out loud. It's making my brain feel weird. But uh, no, I don't think he is. He's a he's a, he's a so is Bad Boy like specifically like only like the a, like a Meta World Peace kind of guy, I don't or think can it be only just like a Meta World Peace? Like, but I see Nick Young as more of a fun loving guy. Yeah, you know, he's not out there to start any fights. He's just having a good time. That's true. He does seem like he's having a good time, yeah. but he, he shit talks a lot. But but you're right. He's he's doing it uh, loving. Is Jakar Sampson a low key bad boy? Could he be a bad boy? I cannot express to you enough how weird the, 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 all this sounds to me now. The more you say it, all right. Let's let's uh, um, wait. Let's, if, let's you're, if you're if you're putting if you're putting a long. legit NBA bad boy team together, then one of the Morris twins is involved. They're already always starting shit. You got like a Jason Smith, but like the Morris twins are actually like they're they're helpful, good NBA players. But like anybody else who who's going to have that kind of real like. That that reputation following around has that because that's what you remember about them because they're not really great at basketball otherwise. I understand the spirit of the question. I know we made it like very boring by like me being like, no, it's not good. But like, I, yeah, I just don't like. I can't even think of it because it would just be a be a worse team. It's true. There 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 aren't a lot of a lot of good bad boys out there. Um, all right, let's stop talking about bad boys mm-hmm. and. Uh, Let's uh let's let's get off of here. Let's uh let's stop recording. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. We've gone a little longer than we usually do. These podcast beers are really hitting me now. Yeah, and see, you can see this is where we differ because I don't have any beers in my house currently, so I'm feeling weird, and you're just throwing bad boys out over and over again. Yeah, I've drank I've drank two very strong IPAs. Mm. Uh, that's where I'm coming. Seven from. plus percent. So, so uh, I think I I think I gotta go. Yeah. Maybe Joffrey get some, Laverne. Get some food in me. He has the first name of a bad boy. That's all I got. God. All right. All right. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. And thanks for uh, listening. We'll talk to you soon.